The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello everybody and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. I'm Dylan. Sorry. <laughs> Want to take a clean take at that, my dude? Yes, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Dylan. And we're here this week to talk to you about Smash. Smash uh, Bros. So, where to begin? Smash everybody Bros. Everybody knows Smash Bros. Yeah, if... If you don't know Smash Bros, that's cool. It's basically like a big party fighting game that's been around since the 1990s when it originated on the Nintendo 64, and then there's been one on every main home Nintendo console since then. Uh, And it's basically, it started out as games from across the Nintendo canon of games, characters from across those games all coming together in this platform fighting game. And as it has gone on, they've started bringing in more and more third-party characters. Characters from games that maybe have appeared on Nintendo consoles, but were not Nintendo characters or properties themselves. And if you're a gamer, you already know why, we're pro- probably know why we're talking about this. The last week, they announced the final character that would be appearing in the game as part of the first pack of DLC characters. And... It was contentious. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. oh my god. (laughs) I don't want this episode to be us diving into that contention per se, because I don't want to, like, other than, like, to say, Dylan and I have kind of discussed this, we both are, like, meh on it. Yeah, it's like, I like, I love Three Houses. Chris, I think you named it as one of your top five games of the year. It was. I I adored Um, Three Houses. I thought it was, it was the first Fire Emblem game I'd played in probably close to a decade, and I have adored it. The the character they've introduced is the final, or the, the, for this final slot, is the main sort of player insert character from Fire Emblem Three Houses. Which would be cool if, like, Fire Emblem Three Houses didn't have, like, one of the most solid casts in the entire franchise yeah so like there's there's (laughs) on the one side of things a lot of the people who are upset about this are upset that it wasn't another third party character and there's a lot of characters that could be in smash that are not that people like to point to and go like well why didn't we get this and like i get that there i was pulling for it to be dante from devil may cry because that would be a cool include but like you know i was pulling for it to be dante (laughs) but well, it would it would you would be either pulling for that or Solid Snake, and one of those is already there. So right, right. Well, I mean, I'd like to think I have more than no, just I, those two. I know, but I'm talking about your brand on this podcast. <laughs> okay, that's fair. God damn but it. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, but the other side of things is people like Dylan and I are both like, I don't know. There's other characters from Three Houses that could have been in there that might have been more interesting. But like I said, that's not really the that's topic here I want to get into yeah. today. Instead, that got me thinking because I started thinking about the revealed moveset for Byleth. 
And I'll be damned if that isn't the best moveset you could give to a Fire Emblem character for Smash Bros. People have actually compared it to uh, Monster Hunter from Marvel vs. Capcom and Infinite. And I can, I can see that comparison too, but that's kind of getting to the, the what I wanted to talk to Dylan about and what I think Dylan is very excited about too. What makes Smash Bros. interesting is that it's bringing together all of these characters from like tons of different kinds of games, genres and mechanics and all of this stuff and finding ways to make them fit into this platform fighter model while in the cases of the really good ones still maintaining a lot of like what makes their original game interesting. Yeah. And that's fascinating. And so that was kind of where I wanted to talk about like look at some of these characters and like how they maintain their identity and the identity of their franchise while making that jump into Smash Bros. Where did we want to start? I have I have a couple ideas in mind offhand. Yeah, I've got I I wrote down a little list of the characters I want to get to. I guess uh before we dive into the nitty-gritty of like individual characters, it's worth mentioning we did talk about fighting games and like narrative design in fighting games on this show before. Like yeah. we talked about uh the way that like Arxis's Blaze Blue series kind of captures that Hunter Hunter Yu Yu Hakusho. Every character anime. has their own. Yeah, everyone has their own niche. gimmick. Yeah, yeah, and they managed to translate that into the game mechanics in an interesting way. Where we talked about how Samurai Showdown incentivizes a more like methodical and strategic approach to combat through the way that like it is a game all about like footsie and punishing. And Smash Bros is weird. Smash Bros is Rather than being, like, a traditional 2D fighter with, like, health bars and super meters, it's all about knockback well, and positioning yeah. and, like... So, so lo- for starters, Smash Bros. is a platformer yeah. uh, rather than a fighting game in which you're always kind of locked on to your enemy. Um, the inputs are in relation to the enemy you're facing. There's a, you know, it's a flat 2D plane... Smash Bros. is a platformer. There are platforms to jump on. There are items to pick up. And like in platformers, if you fall into a pit, you die. Yeah, or if you get knocked away with su- sufficient force that you exit the bounds of the of the screen, you die. Or so and, it's it's mm-hmm. it's a game that is more about like positioning and managing that platforming element than it is like traditional fighting game combos and like footsie. Unless you play professional and you're on Final Destination and lock away 90% of the game. (laughs) Yeah, which, that is its own thing, and I think that there is something interesting to that, but, like, that's not what I... I'm I'm not hating, but I'm also kind of hating. Yeah, like, like if if I'm looking to one-on-one someone hard, I'm going to get in... I'm going to open, like, a more traditional fighting game. Smash, for me, has always been about, like, chilling with friends and shit-talking. Yeah, yeah. To segue, I think that this is a good segue. I want to talk about three characters in the game, and one in particular that are from traditional 2D fighting games. Earlier in this DLC pack, one of the characters that was introduced to the game was Terry Bogard from the Fatal Frame and King of Fighters series. And this is a traditional... Uh, Fatal Fury. Fatal Not Fury, Fatal what did Frame. I say? Someone's going to get on us for Okay, that. sorry. Uh, yes. Fatal Frame Fatal is, a, is, a, is like a horror game, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's a Japanese horror where you're taking pictures of ghosts. Yeah, I, I misspoke. Uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have a Fatal Fury ball cap en route to my house right now. <laughs> but so these are traditional 2D fighting games, and so 
what they did, and this is something that had done, been done before uh, with Ken and Ryu from the Street Fighter series, who are also in Smash, but they really, like, doubled down on it even harder <laughs> in yeah. in Terry, is they, for one thing, if you are playing one-on-one with Terry Bogard, he will never face away from your opponent. They lock him facing the person he's fighting, a la Fatal Fury or King I of Fighters. I believe they do or that with Ryu and Ken. They do uh, as well, but it's. I, I think it's it's stressed a lot more with Terry. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because one of the other things with Terry, in the way that Smash moves work, rather than having like long lists of like different, you know, quarter circle forward, quarter circle back, Z on the control stick and a button, you've got a special move that happens when you hit the B button. You've got a special move that happens when you hit the B button with the control stick facing up or facing down or facing to the left. Or, I mean, to the side, left or right. Yeah. With Terry, they changed that last part, so now he's got one special that's B-button facing forward in the direction Terry's facing, and a different one that's B-button with the control stick facing backward. Which already is weird for this game. This is the first time that that kind of distinction has been made, but it's a great fit for this character because, again... This is a character from a different breed of fighting games, and they're wanting to make him feel as much like that as he can while still fitting into the world and the the, the game design philosophy of Smash Bros. Uh, to that end, I think that's also why people were excited about Dante, because yeah. if if we were already willing to break the rules, you could do style switching with Dante where like he would have an extra taunt. Oh, that, that would, would be very cool. <laughs> yeah, so like all he would have four taunts, and they would all change his move set, and that would have been really cool. Who knows? We're getting six more. We're yeah, I know. Six more I know. fighters. Maybe one of them will be our boy. Fingers uh-huh. crossed. But so, in addition, with and this is again something that they did with the Street Fighter characters before him, but Terry also, you have the option to use traditional fighting game inputs to unlock his special moves. So for his. For his forward B, you can do quarter circle forward and the A button instead. Yes. And it'll bring that move out and actually increase the... I don't remember if it's the range or the damage or both, but like it, 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 it increases soups up the, the damage, move. but uh, if, if you tap the button, and this is with either way you input it, if you tap it, it does the weak version of that. Mm-hmm. And if you hold it, it does the strong version, much like how you have a weak and heavy yeah. button in... Um, Fatal Fury and King of Fighters. Yeah, and same thing with the with the 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 back special, for lack of a better term for it. You've also got something Burning. that is. What's that? Sorry, I, I was just saying what he says when he does that move. Burning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you've also got, and this is again something that Ken and Ryu had, but in a different way. You have attack canceling. You have animation canceling, which is something that. <sighs> There are a handful of other characters in Smash that, like, just by the the coincidence of how their games are coded, have, like, something similar to this, where there are certain moves that they can kind of, like, cancel quick cancel into. out of. But with so Terry, Basically, it's what like, a cancel is, is when you do an attack, normally the full animation of that attack will play out, but canceling means that you can end that animation early and link it immediately into another attack. Yeah, so rather than, you know, startup animation the part of the attack that is actually dealing damage or registering as a hit, and then, like, cooldown animation back to standard. With Terry, if you, say, use your, like, low kick attack, the minute that hits, you can input a special, and it'll crop that animation 
without doing that return to neutral and go straight into the next attack animation. So it opens up some more combo things. And again, that is how, I don't want to say all, but most traditional fighting games work. They're all about, that's how combos work in them, is you combo yes. by getting a hit and then canceling all of those animations so that you're not allowing enough frames to pass for your opponent to go back to their recovery and be able to block again. Yeah. And God, Terry is a cool character. <laughs> I love Terry so much. I can only do him in one-on-ones, though. I can't oh, say like, I with parties. cannot. I cannot group fight with him because I lose <laughs> track of what direction I'm facing and kill myself. Right. Um, but then the the last cherry on top, and then we'll move on from Terry. But Terry is such a good example to look at because they did such a good job of like translating all of these things into Smash. You have you have supers. A, a mainstay oh, yes. of a mainstay of fighting games throughout the like not everyone but again most of them is you'll have like a meter that builds as you attack or as you block and then you can input special inputs and spend that meter to use super moves and this is how a lot of fighting games kind of like are ended as you'll land a combo and you'll get down to a threshold where it's like the combo's not going to kill but I can combo into the super move and that'll win yeah with Terry, and Smash already had a variation on super moves with the final Smash feature that was introduced in the Wii version? Yeah, yeah, Brawl? it was in the Wii version. It was in I, Brawl, yeah. Yeah, which is similar, but with Terry, they were like, nah, he gets three. <laughs> and so in addition to your final Smash, which is a, like, combo of one of his of like two of his moves into one another from his traditional fighting game he also has additional special moves that unlock when he reaches a certain damage threshold so you can enter slightly more complex inputs and what i love about this is he doesn't have like a simple button press to get these you have to do the no, fighting you game have inputs to, to get them, be good at fighting which games is to do Mas- yeah. which is masahiro sakurai the developer of smash bros going no guys really it's not that hard please learn how to do this and then go play all these games i love yeah um, I love it. But you have two of those, one of which is his uh, power geyser, which just shoots this fucking pillar of flame, and the other is, like, maybe his most iconic move from any of his games, the Buster Wolf. Which, ironically, is not in all of his games. The power geyser should be his iconic move. Yeah, but but he doesn't ask his opponent if they're okay. Are you okay? (laughs) He doesn't say, are you okay, before hitting you with the power geyser. (laughs) It's true. I love Buster Wolf so much. And this is kind of what we wanted to talk about. This idea Mm -hmm. of, like, and Terry is such a perfect encapsulation of it, but a lot of other characters do a very good job of this, of just, like, bringing in what is special and unique about the franchise that they are from or their character in that franchise and making that into a Smash Bros. friendly format. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now that we've now that we've rambled on about Terry Bogard, who we both love very much because he's a perfect boy, uh, Dylan, who's your, who's your first character you wanted to talk about? I wanted to talk about Captain Falcon. I was hoping you would because... <laughs> You were the person who was going to know more about this than I do. And I was like, how the fuck did they get this? <laughs> right, right. So, like, I, you know, obviously I don't think I can detail, like, every decision Masahiro no, Sakurai I made. That is not what we're going to be doing. We are not inside men like that and we're not game designers. But we are right. fans of all this stuff and we can we can draw parallels where we can. But anyway, so Captain Falcon is, like, the mascot character for the f-zero series which is a game where you control uh these hover race cars and 
you are careening down these <laughs> you gravity defying roller coaster <laughs> racetracks and it's so good and the the most important thing the 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 defining aspect of uh F0 is crazy speed and hitting your opponent super hard <laughs> um you in F0 you can um you can kind of do a side bash with your car to like hit uh one of your fellow racers and if you if you land the hit just right, they'll just go bouncing like a pinball <laughs> over the uh, the tracks, and it is such a good feeling. <laughs> Murder is okay. No, um, <laughs> on the racetrack. On the racetrack. Yeah. So I I think the the thing that Captain Falcon best exemplifies is he is very fast and he hits very hard. <laughs> but to to balance that, like you know his his hardest hitting attack, the Falcon Punch has some lined up so when you when you start the animation for the falcon punch which is not cancelable you basically uh you're you're committing to that which feels like a it kind of reminds me of in f-zero you you kind of you choose where you want to fall between uh your car's best acceleration rate and your uh, car's max speed so if the faster your acceleration is the slower your top speed is and vice versa you know, you have to you have to choose which way to commit. Um, do you want to do the safer option where, yeah, if you crash into the walls a bit, you'll still be okay because your acceleration's pretty well? Or are you like, no, this is going to be a perfect run through this track. I know exactly how to hit those turns. I'm I going all the way, baby. I just where you're going with this, and I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, and so I think with, with Captain Falcon, especially with the Falcon Punch, um, it's this idea of, like, reading your opponent so well that, like, you just know where they're going to land, and you are fully committing to landing that Falcon Punch. And this this translates also into some of his other moves. Like, he... There's a mechanic that a lot of characters share in different ways, where, like, certain moves will have... I don't know if this is the, the technical term, but I've always heard them referred to as sweet spots. Yes. Where, like, the move as a whole, like, you're, you're you know, a big chunk of the character's model is going to act as a hurtbox, is going to act at Or a hitbox, rather, is going to be, you know dealing damage out but there's a much smaller point where like if you hit just right it's gonna do extra damage and falcon has like three of those i want to say in his kit (laughs) because like he's got this jumping knee that like is okay but if you hit it just right will ruin people and that fits into this idea of like kind of reckless precision that the f-zero games are all about I think people call that the people's knee. The people's knee. That's <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> and Falcon is also great because, like, so much of what makes F-Zero fun beyond the gameplay is, like, this cast of wacky cartoon, like, Saturday morning cartoon character anime. Yeah. Like, they, they turn Cast and Falcon from a cool driver with a backstory uh, for, like, the, the default uh, starting car and they turn him into common rider. Yeah. <laughs> and so all of his moves, the fact that he like yells the names of them before he uses them and they've all got like these big fiery auras around them and like one of his moves if he connects he literally just goes, "Yes." And like <laughs> Captain Falcon's not not all might. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. But like I'm here. That's another part of this is like they're they're not just translating the mechanics; they're translating like the whole feel of yeah. these games. Falcon's great. I'm glad that you wanted to talk about him because I wanted to, but I was not equipped to. Oh, absolutely. I got you, fam. 
Okay, um, I'll just group the Konami characters all in one Okay, I had, been, I had been thinking about the Belmonts. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we can um, do, like, like, the Konami boys. Yeah, so I, I love uh, the Belmonts, and I also love Solid Snake. And to, they, they both kind of have the same philosophy uh, to them, which is, you know, kind of... Find find a spot, hold your ground. Yeah, keep uh, and your distance, keep them keep away. Keep your distance, <laughs> blow them away with all of your equipment um, and weapons. But the the thing I really like about, you know, Metal Gear Solid is that you are... A lot of the game is, like, just kind of staying in one place, looking at the your enemies' routes and seeing how you can slip past them and or lay out traps for them and or take them out from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of Snake's toolbox kind of facilitates that. Uh, he has stinger missiles that remote controlled missiles beep, beep. Uh, you can yeah exactly you can you can lay down bombs you can throw grenades you can quote unquote sneak up and by that i mean just rush up to an opponent grab them and put them in a sleeper hold so yeah like snake kind of represents that that more like snake represents stealthy gameplay but even though you can't really be stealthy in uh smash bros you can still scum it out honestly yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh you you don't shake snake players hands uh, they're not trustworthy. Anyway, um, with the Belmonts, though, uh, Castlevania is so much more about, uh, they're 2D platformers where your movement options are very limited. If you jump, you are committing to jumping forward or back or straight up. You can't change your direction mid-jump, uh, just like in real life. <laughs> um, on top of that, you have a whip, but your whip's motion is kind of limited. Like, it has, like, a couple like it has like a split second of startup to it before you actually do damage so you have to know exactly when to swing your whip uh for enemies and so like with these two limits like you're you're kind of really forced to like again observe your enemies like look at their movement patterns kind of try to predict where they're about to be but on top of that in castlevania you get these sub weapons which all have different properties. Uh, so one's a boomerang that you can throw and it comes back to you. One's a tomahawk that you can throw in an arc, uh, which is good for enemies that are above you. Uh, you can throw holy water, which does damage over time. And all of these weapons are weapons that are available to the Belmonts and Smash Bros. Yep. And the thing about that is, since you can use all three of them, you can really scum it out, except, you know, unlike snake players, I respect Belmont players. <laughs> <laughs> um, them fighting words, Gregory. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, no. I I have a friend who played Snake back in the Brawl days. I'm just I'm jabbing yeah, at I, him. I love the Belmonts and Smash. I think they're so interesting. I'm very not good at them, but I think they're <laughs> rad. Yeah. Uh, it it just feels like playing Castlevania, and that's the cool thing. Um, you your your opponents are Medusa heads, and you're just like, all right, I know exactly how this axe is gonna <laughs> fall. I'm ready for this, you fucker. And yeah, it's just a really satisfying feeling. Um, that's all I really have to say on the Belmonts. I don't want to linger too much on them. Uh, yeah. I feel like I got everything I needed to say about them out. Yeah, there. It's again, it's just a cool way of like paying homage to all of these elements of these games and finding ways to work them in. That's like, it's it's honestly the reason I like Smash as much as I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one I wanted to talk about, and then we'll probably we'll probably head to the the playbill after this, but. Mm-hmm. One that I, ho- I I think you'll be excited to talk about too, Dylan. I want to talk about Hero. Oh, yes. So one of the other DLC characters from this pack was uh, a character named... He- well, they called him the Hero. 
because yeah. there are four different character models for it. It's basically four different characters from the Dragon Quest series, four different main characters. The one from Dragon Quest Eleven, and then Dylan, you'll have to fill in the other three. <laughs> uh, it's three, four, and eight. Three, four, eight, and eleven. There we go. I really wanted five there, but I understand why he's not. And Dragon Quest... Dylan, give us a, a quick breakdown of Dragon Quest, because I know that um, this series is near and dear to your heart, and I'm still fairly new to it. Okay, so you like Final Fantasy, you like Persona, those things would not be around if Dragon Quest didn't do it first, basically. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Quest popularized the uh, computer role-playing game in Japan by kind of simplifying its mechanics, uh, making it accessible for a wide amount of people, and putting it on a console, which was also more accessible. Ex- more acceptable no. <laughs> more accessible that's the word i'm looking yeah, for morning go. cast more accessible for a wide audience yeah and they you you have referred to it before and i think this is from what i have played of dragon quest 11 this rings very true you've called dragon quest the french vanilla of jrpgs yes it's, where it's, it's it doesn't like, do it anything. doesn't have any bells and whistles there's no sprinkles there's no mint chocolate chips or whatever it's it's like RPG gameplay at its like most basic but also most refined. Yeah. And so Hero in Smash Bros has a lot of things going on. For one thing, they gave him a mana bar, an MP meter. And all of your specials, all of those, you know, side B, up B, down B, standard B consume mana. So mm-hmm. you can run out of the ability to use your specials. And you get it back by hitting with your regular attacks. That's already kind of cool. It's bringing which ironically this... kind of makes him play like Kingdom Hearts One Sora, which I know is not Holy the Sora cow, that people right. want. But <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna throw that out yeah. there for. Um, but then, in addition, he has two more gimmicks that are wild. One is you can land critical hits. Yes, uh, there is a class of moves of like your your standard attacks that are called smash attacks, which you get by like hitting a direction and the standard attack button at the same time. And they're typically, like, they're kind of the, the moves that you use when you want to finish off someone or if you have an opening, because they take a little bit of wind-up time. Uh, but for, for Hero, you just have a random chance for any one of those to deal, like, a whole bunch of extra damage and a whole bunch of extra knockback, because it's an RPG, so there's a random number generator running the odds on a crit. I love it so much. It's uh, wild. Yuji Hori, the creator of Dragon Quest infamously loves gambling he has a casino <laughs> in like every dragon quest game well that's what this character is about that's what this character is super about uh and then your down b your down special attack is hilarious one of the features of of dragon quest and a lot of rpgs but dragon quest because that's what this character is from yeah uh, you have in addition to your regular attacks you have magic that you can cast and you cast it from a menu. And so if you hit down B with Hero, he'll just like stand there and put a hand on his chin as he thinks about what he's going to do. And a little menu pops up for you to select what spell he will cast. And there's like, I want to say there's like 15, 20-ish total. And there's it will a lot. Pull up there's a surprising a ra- amount. And it'll pull up a random four out of that collection for you to choose from. And they do everything from turning you into metal so you can't act for a little bit but to, also you can't be damaged yeah to just a big swing that does a lot of damage to a move that has a chance to instantly knock out an opponent to kamikaze which takes your stock but deals huge damage and probably knocks out anyone near you 
And it's it's such an interesting way of bringing in that like like you said that element of gambling of of randomness that is kind of intrinsic to the JRPG genre and making it work in this format. Yeah, it's uh it's honestly I didn't know what to expect. It wasn't that, but I'm it it's so much fun to watch hero versus hero matches. Oh yeah. <laughs> My like, favorite is maybe a little busted, like in regular play, because like the, if the RNG swings in your favor, that like people are gonna feel really cheated. Yeah, it's but... it's a risk, but boy, it's fun, and boy, it's fun in like four like four person matches. Just like gonna go shopping for a second, gonna see what I gonna see what I have to play with. <laughs> Let me just browse. <laughs> it's so good, <laughs> and also just a cool pull. Like Dragon Quest is a series that. In America is, like, there are people that like it. There are RPG fans that are big into Dragon Quest, but it's never been, like, the biggest property. Honestly, I would, I would argue that the only mainstream Japanese RPGs in America, um, and in most of the world, honestly, are Final Fantasy and Pokemon. Yeah. And so the fact that the developers saw this opportunity to bring in this character that maybe people weren't super familiar with outside of Japan and, like, introduce them and maybe drum up some interest in this game series that is so important to the creators of Smash Bros. I think that's cool, and I think that that's yeah. something that I'm really glad that they have kind of been doing with these third-party yeah. characters. It, it should be noted that in Japan, the Dragon Quest is as ubiquitous as Mario. Yeah. So. I've got a few more I want to talk to you about, but before I that... I do too. Why don't yeah. we hop into the playbill and 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 cover cover what we got to talk about? Cover our bases. We're here now. That was oh. an editing pause. That was oh, so wow. quick. I'm I'm looking around and the entire scenery's changed. Oh my god! Where are we? Well, take that, Unity of Place. We're in the Playbill, and we're going to talk to you about other things that you should listen to, other things you can find us in, all that kind of stuff. Hey, Dylan, what is Macross? Well, of course, I'm glad you asked. Macross is a giant super robot, but let's (laughs) not talk about the actual Macross and talk about the show. Super Dimensional Fortress Macross is an anime from the early 80s that... I think still has uh, still has stuff coming out to this day, and it's it's very interesting. So I'm I'm actually going through and watching it with your friend in mind, Coop, uh, and we uh, we we kind of go three episodes at a time because we're watching another TV series now, Macross Seven, and we we kind of look at it and we dissect it, look at the characters, you know, all that good book club type stuff. And if you want to check that out, uh, that is Dude, You Remember Macross. That's Dude as in D-U-D-E. Faked you out, didn't I? You um, did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if, you want to, if you want to listen to that, you can find us on anchor.fm slash Dude, You Remember. And we are also on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Hell yeah. You should also go check out The Unexplored Places. It's an actual play podcast run by some friends of ours, and we are both in it. Uh, currently in season two we're running with the scum and villainy game system doing sort of space crime shenanigans and it's been a great time uh the episode the first episode that dylan is in i think is coming out not this week but next week if my if my brain is working can't wait to listen to my boy yeah uh and it's a great time if you like actual play shows if you like 
sci-fi. If you like spooky stuff, their season one is great. And anyway, you can find them at Unexplored Cast on Twitter or by going to unexploredcast.libsyn.com. You should also, I'm going to do a quick plug. There's a show I'm in, uh, two shows I'm in that are well worth listening to. The God's Head Incidental is a show about a city full of gods that nobody really likes. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at God's Head Pod. Or if you like more smook- spooky small town stuff, you should check out Superstition. I am in season two in a couple episodes that are coming out, I think, in early February. But the whole season two has been really good. You can find them on Twitter at Superstition Pod. Both are very cool. Thank you, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. If you like video games, if you like podcasts, if you like us, you should go check them out. Because they've got a bunch of shows that are looking at... The medium from a bunch of different angles and are all super fun to listen to. You can find them on Twitter at HPVG Pod Network and they're constantly retweeting everything. And final thing, thank you to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash BSG Pod. Thanks to you, we are able to do this and able to do it without losing money and that is incredible and we appreciate every one of you who has supported us and if you like us and want to help us do this more and do it better... Patreon.com slash BSG pod is a great way to handle that. Anything else from you, Dylan? Uh, no, I am Gucci. You are indeed. <laughs> All right, we're, we, we have climbed out of the playbill. We're back in our original set. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's my room again. <laughs> I whisked you away and then deposited you back after our magical journey to advertisement land. I didn't realize you were a wizard. Uh, how? <laughs> I haven't been True. subtle about it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, hey Dylan, what? Who else do you want to talk about? Who else are you uh, are you itching to itching, itching to chat about? Um, surprise, surprise! It's another RPG character. Oh no! Uh, which is fine because I think like those are the characters where you have the most freedom with how you want to adapt kind of, them. Kind of by necessity, you have you have also the most like things you need to unpack and figure out. Yeah, which I like, think I... is why a lot of them end up feeling so cool. I could say Kirby, but, like, Smash is made by the guy who created Kirby. Yeah. So, like, that's a given. But anyway, uh, I, I really enjoy uh, playing as... Or, I don't play as Cloud, but I really enjoy, like, the work that was put into him. Because, unlike the hero from Dragon Quest, Cloud's moveset is not based on selecting attacks from a menu. Uh, he doesn't feel like just a swordsman, even though most of it's sword techniques. Uh, yeah. Cloud's moveset is based on his special attacks, his limit breaks. Um, which... I didn't realize they were all based on those. I guess that makes sense, considering you can limit break all of them, but... <laughs> in Final Fantasy VII, Cloud has a mechanic. Uh, most characters have a mechanic where they have, like, a fighting game-esque super gauge that fills up, and this is called the limit gauge. And when you when the limit gauge fills, you can choose from a menu of attacks on what to do. And specifically limited to Final Fantasy VII, each limit break has a different limit level, the higher the limit level, the slower the gauge fills up, but the better the attack is. And so this means that Cloud has a total of seven limit breaks, because it's Final Fantasy VII, haha. Oh, um, oh. Ooh, look at that. Uh, if you play Final Fantasy VII, Chris, you'll notice the number seven comes up a lot. But anyway, um, so these all have different effects. Like, one is Braver, which is Cloud kind of jumping into the air and bringing his sword down like a meat cleaver. Uh, there's another cross slash where he does like an intricate, uh, I think it's actually a kanji or it's based off of a kanji. Uh, he carves that into his opponent and it paralyzes the opponent. 
it just just cool stuff like that. There's my favorite is uh, finishing touch, where if it's a standard battle, uh, Cloud creates a tornado with his sword, and it like sucks up the enemy, and it instantly ends the battle. Oh, really? It just expels them from the fight. Shit, that's cool. Uh, against bosses, the tornado just does damage, but like that's in Smash Bros. Yep. Um, you you have finishing. T- uh, no, if you fully charge your limit gauge and then do the the input. For charging the limit gauge, you do finishing touch instead, which if the opponent is at a high enough percentage, that's an instant kill. Yeah, I discovered that far later into playing Smash Ultimate (laughs) than I probably should have. I mean, it's fair, though. Like, that's something that I saw and I instantly knew, oh man, oh man, I gotta get close to (laughs) someone at a high percentage now, uh, because I'm a fan of FF7. But yeah, so they, they incorporate all these moves and then they make them enhanceable with the limit gauge mechanic that is in Smash Bros, where if Cloud has some time and there's no one around him, he can charge uh, with the down special input, and he will charge his limit gauge, and then all of his attacks either hit harder, they have further reach, maybe a combination of the two, or he can do finishing touch, which is awesome. And that's all I really have to say about Cloud, but I just wanted to gush about that, because... It's unorthodox when you put it next to all these other RPG characters. Yeah, but it's a really cool way of capturing like that particular element of how Final Fantasy works. Final Fa- Final Fantasy is like a very flashy like with especially starting with 7 it became all about like the animations and the cool factor and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I kind of want to talk about Ike. There were okay. a couple other characters that like were darting around in my mind, but Ike seems like a good one. Yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, uh, Chris, you you said you played a lot of Three Houses. What was that other Fire Emblem game you played? Oh, Path of Radiance is my favorite. Well, I don't know if it's my favorite Fire Emblem game. It is the game that got me into Fire Emblem. It was on the Mm -hmm. GameCube, and in it you... There's no player character, but the closest thing to it is Ike, who is the son of a mercenary leader who kind of, through circumstance, grows into greatness and sort of becomes a hero of this continent and this war that breaks up. And Ike is great. I love him. I love and in Ike Smash, so much. In Smash Bros, he's a big burly boy with a giant sword. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, I, I really like Ike. He's he's great. But uh, mechanically, uh, I think the interesting thing that they do for Ike that I don't think is quite expressed with Martha Roy, uh, the Fire Emblem characters that came before him, he just... <sighs> Where do I even start? Um, <laughs> so Path of Radiance kind of brings back this system that was in a couple Fire Emblem games for the Super Nintendo, but they took them out for the Game Boy Advance games, uh, which are skills, which are these passive abilities that will kind of activate under the right conditions. And Ike's most iconic skill that he has is Aether, which uh, is a move where he throws his sword up in the air, catches it while still in the air, and then brings it down with a ton of force. It's so cool. It's such a cool-looking animation. It is incredibly meaty, incredibly flashy. Uh, it's everything I love about uh, certain Fire Emblem games yeah, like, and their animations. There there were, there were, was complaint when Fire Emblem uh, Path of Radiance came out, because it was the first game to be on a home console since the Super Nintendo, I want to say? Yes, uh... Gracia 776 yeah. uh, for the Super Nintendo, which came out in 1999. Yeah, and was very de- it was very decidedly the first 3D Fire Emblem game. Up till then, yeah. it had all been sprites and pixel art based. Yeah. And so 
there is still contention about like the move to 3D and how well it was handled in in Path of Radiance, and I mm-hmm. I buy into it a little bit. Like there's there's some personality to like the best of Fire Emblem sprite work is incredible. Like there yeah. are some really amazing attack and blocking and special animations to be had in this franchise. And while there's some animations, like there is some animation in Path of Radiance that falls a little bit flat as far as the attack animations go. But then there are things like Aether and like, I don't know, the way that the the archer characters like twirl the arrow before landing a critical hit. Yeah, or, or the, the the Black Knight just marching towards you. Yeah, like there, there, are, there are, some of it really works and Aether is one of the best animations in that game. Yeah, but anyway, I don't have like a full breakdown of Ike's stats, so I'm going to be looking more at his character and the way he yeah, carries yeah. himself. But the, the thing about Ike that kind of sets him out from other lords is that other lords are the sons of aristocrats uh usually um and they are they are well-mannered they're almost always infallibly polite and chivalrous i think each of them kind of has a little different thing going on but like the differences are so minuscule that like it's become a kind of common thing that the lords of each fire emblem game are the blandest characters but ike is not a lord he is the son of a mercenary and he kind of fills the same what's the term the same trope yeah as in other fire emblem games one of your first units will be a mercenary who someone associated with you hire to help you on your journey yeah ike fills that role um and so when ike kind of interacts with nobles depending on who the noble is when he when he reacts with the uh or when he interacts with the theocracy of begnion he's very done with their shit (laughs) there's some great dialogue in these in this game he he's just like oh what do i have to oh you want to knight me what do i have to do a little bow or something (laughs) you know he's he's just he's very brusque he's an outdoorsman uh he has a conversation with the princess where he's like yeah all i really need is my cape and like you know if it's raining outside i can use that to shield me from the rain or i can use that as a blanket like you know, he's still very polite and mild-mannered for the most part, because Fire Emblem can't stray too far from that norm. Yeah. But the little touches of flavor he adds makes him stand apart from the other protagonists. Yeah. And that that comes across in Smash and just, like, before this, the, the two Fire Emblem characters that came before were Marth and Roy, who were from... Help me out here, which Fire Emblem game? <laughs> uh, okay, so Marth is from... Okay, I was about to say the Blazing Japanese Blade? titles. Uh, no, Marth is from... Uh, uh, Mystery of the Emblem, uh, Moncho no Nazo, and uh, Shadow Dragon. I don't know the name for Shadow mm. Dragon, fuck you. Um, <laughs> and he is, you know, he is the first Fire Emblem Lord. He's the first Fire Emblem character. He's kind of the, fa- he was the face of the series for a long time. And he's, you know, he has a character ostensibly, but he's he's more or less a blank slate. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's kind of meek. He's kind of oblivious to uh, his love interest who has the hots for him, but, like, he doesn't really realize that until the end of the first game. There's not really a whole lot to say about Marth other than, like, you know, he was the first. Um, And then you have Roy, who is kind of very similar in personality to Marth, but, like, the one kind of interesting thing they do is that he's kind of hesitant about his role. He doesn't feel like it is a role that he can fully step into. But for all intents and purposes, they are virtually the same character, and in Smash, they are the same character. Yeah, like, Roy hits a little harder, and is a little, and, like, his jab works a little bit differently, but they're both, like, 
quick and they focus on kind of like flurries of attacks and like aerial combos and things like that. And then Ike shows up and he's like, hey, I'm six feet tall, my sword is six feet long, and when I hit you, you're not going to be standing there anymore. Yeah. Ike hits you, you fall down. Yeah. Um, they, they bring in like his critical attack animation is used for his side B, which is like this dashing slash. His aether is his up B, so he like, you know, throws the sword and jumps up and brings it down. There's uh, an incredible sense of weightiness, whereas Roy and Martha are much more elegant fighters. Yeah, which really helps to sell that, like, this is not the lord, this is the the guy who gets the shit done. Yeah. And then they also, and, and Sakurai, Masahiro Sakurai, uh, mentioned this in the most recent Nintendo Direct with Byleth announcement, uh, they when they were developing Super Smash Bros. Melee and they were developing Marth and Roy, they wanted to give them a sense of that like turn-based combat element of the Fire Emblem games through giving them a counter move. So you have a move where mm-hmm. if you use your down B on either of these characters, then the next like for a brief moment, it's like what half a second probably. Yeah. If you are hit, that hit doesn't register and you counter hit. And I hadn't put that together before I was watching that direct, but that is a really cool way of, again, bringing that spirit of the gameplay of this really not a fighting game at all franchise into Smash Bros. And Ike maintains that. He has that counter move, too. Yeah, and so do most Fire Emblem characters, and people are really sick of counters now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to actually pirouette from that into talking about Byleth. Okay, yeah. Because Byleth, I think, is such an interesting take on a Fire Emblem character. Byleth is the main character of Three Houses, like we mentioned earlier. She is the character that you as the player kind of take on the role of. And what they have done is rather than every other Fire Emblem character, except for Robin, who I do want to touch on very briefly, I guess. Uh, Robin is a mage character. Mm -hmm. They are from Fire Emblem Awakening? Yes, they're from Awakening. Yeah, this is one of the ones I didn't play. I um, played, like, five chapters of a friend's copy. Thank yeah. you, D-Train. But what they did that's really cool with Robin is because they are a mage, they implement the sort of durability system from Fire Emblem, where all of your, your spells and your attacks, uh, and your weapons, rather, are, like, there is a durability system, and the more you use them, they will eventually break. And so Robin has all these spells, but every time you use one of the spells, a little meter that corresponds to that spell is depleted. And so you have to kind of manage that in addition to the regular combat. And that's just another element of, like, bringing something interesting from Fire Emblem in. I don't think we need to dwell on it over no. long. I just want to I will say, it. I will say that, like, I love, even if I don't love playing as them, I love the idea of mage characters in yeah. fighting games. And yeah. Smash Bros. has, like, Robin, Zelda, Palutena... But, like, I really want more uh, Dizzy's from Guilty Gear and uh, Nine from Blaze Blue. That'd be fucking cool. Yeah. Um, But so what Byleth does is rather than being just, like, character with sword and a bunch of moves that revolve around that sword, Byleth has four different weapons that correspond to different directional inputs on your control stick. So, like, your basic weapon is your sword, and that Mm -hmm. also is used for your, like, up special and up neutral attacks. You, like, bust out the sword and hit people, or, like, it's a whip sword, so your up special is, like, you whip someone above you and pull yourself to them. Your down directional moves implement a giant fuck-off axe. (laughs) Your neutral, like, air move and neutral special is a bow. 
and your side-to-side moves involve a, a real long-range spear. Yeah. And as I was thinking about this, I realized they are making Byleth a tactician. Yes. Like, Byleth's role in the game is that they are the person giving the orders. They are the tactical mind behind the gameplay. Even if they're not a master of all weapons, they have the potential to be. Yeah. And their primary purpose in the game, your primary purpose in the game, is to teach your students everything about, like, whatever weapon they wish to learn about. Yeah. And so they... Sakurai mentioned in the direct that Byleth doesn't have any, like, substantial movement abilities. They're not particularly fast. But what they do have is all of these different moves that are all very clearly intended for particular circumstances. You've got your big fuck-off axe that has some armor on it. So if you see someone charging up for an attack that's going to lock them in place for a second, you can use that armor through their hit and hit them back. You've got this, like side lunge sweeping attack with your spear that can hit from real far away you've got the arrow that can deal massive damage and again kind of like you can use that as a zoning tool you've got your your sword as your sort of standard like if they get in close and i i love that they are incentivizing this as a character that you have to like prioritize spacing and prioritize like knowing exactly when it is right to use that particular tool Oh man, I didn't think about this before, but like, honestly, like that is the most in the spirit of Fire Emblem. Right? Like more than any other Fire Emblem character so far. Yeah, like all of the other Fire Emblem characters have their own elements of the Fire Emblem games that they bring to the table. But Byleth is the first one that feels like they're engaging with that more tactical side of what that franchise is about. Unlike other RPG series, uh, Byleth is... Or Fire Emblem is so much about kind of knowing the rules rather than customizing your character however you want. Yeah. Um, other RPGs I play because there's a lot of freedom with how you can build your character and just like add these things that make them as busted as possible. With Fire Emblem, it's more about knowing the matchups, knowing, all right, that character over there has, you know, if there's a weapon triangle, well, we won't get too far into yeah. <laughs> Fire Emblem uh, mechanics, but like, you know, if this character has an axe i should meet him with a sword user um because sword users are faster they'll probably have a little bit more evasiveness you know stuff like that and that's that's kind of the level you're thinking that guy's got a long range bow i need to make sure none of my flying units get close to him it's all about this kind of like big picture tactics yeah that's that's really cool i didn't think about that yeah no i i i don't know like what made that click in my head but i like i realized like hang on Byleth is, like, kind of a perfect Fire Emblem character for Smash Bros. Yeah. Yeah, holy shit. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and, like, that brought me around on it a lot more. Like, I I hadn't been real down on it. I'm excited to play as him now. I'd been confused. Like, not... I guess I get the disappointment. I had been confused and taken aback by the level of, like, toxicity surrounding this. Uh, But then, like, realizing that, I was like, okay, no, never mind. I'm really here for this. Yeah, like, people... Smash players... Nintendo fans just really don't like Fire Emblem, and I, I think it's because, like, since it's found success, Nintendo has been, like, doing everything to make sure that success keeps snowballing. Yeah. Almost Which to the point I of can't... where it's like, eat your food, gamers, eat yeah, your... Like, I, I can't blame them for that. They're a company, they gotta make money, and, yeah. like, they're doing it in a way that is at least mostly harmless. Right, right. But, like, yeah. I'm happy to see Fire Emblem back. I've been a fan since 03, and I thought it died. <laughs> Honestly, same. <laughs> but no, um, I, 
that mm-hmm. that got me v- much more excited about Byleth when I kind of made that connection in my head. So maybe that'll that'll change some hearts and minds out there. Yeah. All right. I feel like that's a good place to wrap up. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Backstage Gaming. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope we uh, got you to think a little bit. And, you know, maybe if you've got a character that we didn't talk about that you're a big fan of in Smash Bros. and you like the way that they uh, they implemented it, let us know on Twitter. Reach out to us, and we'll we'll get to exactly how you can do that in just a second. But before that, thank you again for listening. As always, if you like our show and you want to get in touch with us, you can do that via social media, or you can head to our website, bsgpod.com. You can find bio info about us there. You can find a contact form if you want to reach out to us, all that kind of stuff. You should also... Find us wherever you find us and leave a rating, leave a review, leave a, a note on iTunes that you like what we're doing and share us with the people in your life that you think would enjoy what we do. That's uh, that's all we can really ask of you and it means the world to us whenever you do. So thank you all. And hey, Dylan, if they want to reach out to us, if they want to yell at us about the Smash Bros. characters we forgot to talk about, how can they do that? <laughs> well, like you said, you can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at BSG underscore cast. You can also find us on Facebook if you're a boomer. Um, and we are also <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> and if you want to talk to me about how the word boomer is a slur, you should use the hashtag BSGpod. There we go. I love it. We're getting that topical heat. <laughs> yeah, I, missed, I, I didn't strike while the iron was hot, but I think it's still lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> also huge huge thanks to our friend brendan french for the key art he has provided our show if you like his stuff you should check him out at brendan-french.squarespace.com that is b-r-e-n-n-e-n-french.squarespace.com you can also find him on instagram.com slash brendanfrencharts Thank you also to our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. If you like that jam, you'll probably like his other jams, and you can find all of those by going to soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by searching for BioQuery on Spotify. Thank you again to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It means the world to us to be able to uh, work together with all these other shows, looking at video games from all these different perspectives, and it's really cool. You should find them on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork if you want to see what they're retweeting. And thank you, as always, to our patrons. It means the world to us to have the support that we do, and if you like what we're doing and want to help us do it, patreon.com slash bsgpod is the place to do that. I don't have anything else to throw out there. Uh, keep smashing. Smash all day. Smash, Smash Hard. All night. Hi, I'm Smash Hardlong, and this has been Backstage Gaming. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>